Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, and that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad I didn't get slapped. I'm glad your mom wasn't uh, here. You said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, I really want to like punch you. It doesn't work if you're not wearing Why? a mariachi suit. Uh, <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Bagging Boardcast, episode number 117. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I am Paul. And we're a podcast that comes to you on three sides. I'm trying something different again. You don't know about that joke. (laughs) No, unless you're a fly on the wall, which you kind of are since you're listening to this podcast. We're a podcast. And you're waiting for our first segment, which would be... The Week in Geek, bringing, the, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Then we follow that up with the list, which is the comic books we're most looking forward to. This week we're taking a look at books coming out March 28th. Then we go into our rotating main topic, uh, following up last week's bracket with the writers. We're going into... No, say, say the full name. I have no idea. Yeah, neither do Paul I. always adds a new <laughs> word to it. No, I don't. It is simple, guys. I don't know what you you guys are so confused by. It's B N B M M C B C C. It's obviously that means it's the Bag and Board Bracket March Madness Comic Book Creator Craze. Yeah, you definitely put some. There's another <laughs> two words added into that we didn't have last week. I'm pretty sure I haven't. <laughs> I think it's because we just shorten it because we don't remember it. It's and it's very like, well. oh, it's our Mark Bracket. And to refresh you, if uh, you guys didn't show up for last week's podcast, you should feel shame. Yeah, uh, shame. But out of D.C., Scott Snyder took the day. Uh, we crowned him the best writer from D.C. going on currently. And Jason Aaron out of Marvel. And when those two went head-to-head, we had to side with uh, Scott Snyder. Which, honestly... Not to completely rehash everything that we talked about last week, but it was kind of a surprise. Yeah. We, I, I, I thought he would be going all the way. My surprise was... Uh, Jason Aaron? Jason Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked by Jason Aaron's uh, victory over in that bracket. Uh, who will win this week? Well, keep on listening. Man, this makes me want to listen to our show. What? What's I'm great, living it. What's great is competition. <laughs> what, what do people do? When they're watching competition, like a sport. High five. High five a lot. Eat Doritos. Eat Doritos. Pizza. Pizza and wings. Pizza and wings. But uh, what would... Pizza and wings. Oh, man. I ate pizza for dinner. Oh, fuck you. All I know oh. is... They go out for cigarette breaks. They no. fuck each other. No. <laughs> I, I, I say... What kind of sports games do you watch, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Not where people take cigarette breaks and... I don't even smoke and I go for cigarette breaks. Yeah, after all the fucking... <laughs> this is horrible. But it will show up in our year-end podcast. <laughs> no, they, they... Oh, it's halftime during the match. Quick, take your knickers off. <laughs> I don't know why. Spectator, spectators like to drink. Oh. oh. We like to drink. We yes. do. Hence why I was oh trying my to you were really trying for a segue, and we ran right over that, didn't I was, we? I was so happy with how we were derailing that, too. <laughs> that, was, that was some quality work, John. They 
Thank you. Sometimes okay. when a train goes off the rails, it's a great thing. <laughs> Other times it's like in Back to the Future Three. <laughs> Other times it's trains filled with orphans and they all die. Did you expect that? No, because that's just mouths that we have to feed. <laughs> Did you expect that train to take off? No, you didn't. These are my boys, Jules and Vern. What the hell is Jules doing? <laughs> John was just like waving someone over to. <laughs> that's to what wait he does. Yeah. I remember. Oh, I can't remember that part. No, you can't. But then you watch it, and then you're like, "Oh my goodness, he does." It's kind of like the Little Mermaid, the original cut with the priest. That's his knee. Yeah? It is. You can see, if you look at the, like, the screenshots of it, it can, mm. looks like, oh no, it's a boner. But when you actually see it in motion, you can tell. Oh, out of context. Knee. It's out of context. It's kind of like Linda Lake's butter when he cut it and then folded it up a certain Oh way. no, they totally meant for that. <laughs> oh yeah, it totally looks like boobs. <laughs> but what are we drinking? <laughs> and also when we uh, you fold a $1 bill in half, it's, um, it kind of you can make it look like a mushroom. I've done that. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you turn it back, uh, turn the bill around where it says one, and then you put a B and an R. <laughs> yeah, yeah boners, boner bills. I've handed out a few of those at work. Not <laughs> saying I've made them, but they may have found their way into the register. And you don't hand that side up to people. No, no. of course not. Oh, no. <laughs> I've done that too. <laughs> John, next time you're at work, you come for lunch, you might get a boner <laughs> bill put in your drawer. <laughs> That's great. I'm gonna wait till I get like an old lady to give it to her. <laughs> She's gonna look at me like, oh, these kids. Oh, I haven't had one of these in a long time. <laughs> Not in her hand, at least. Back, when, oh. <laughs> Back in her day, though, it was boner wampum, which just didn't work the same. <laughs> or beans in the shape of penis. Um, but we are drinking. Um, we didn't trade one episode so far. Guys. <laughs> we haven't traded any boner bills or wampum for this beer. No, because my mom bought it for me and brought it from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Um, we had, um, I think, one or two other beers. Yes. Yeah, we did. Um, it's from uh, Jack Abbey Brewery. This is their um, Bear de Garde. Bear de Garde. Bear de Garde. Which um, is basically the beer of the guard. It is uh, a farmhouse ale, uh, Sasson. Oh, um, But uh, what they've done different is add rye to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that first sip, I got like that spice of the rye, mm-hmm. and ever since then, it's kind of turned more and more into a ghost beer for me. It's yeah. for me. It started off as a ghost beer. Hmm. Like I have a lingering like rye hoppiness, but right from the get go, like that first sip, I was like, "There's really nothing to this." and you still get that flavor, but it's not as Pronounced. strong as you'd want from a rye. Yeah. yeah, it's a very light rye. It's a very drinkable rye. But when you said it was a Sasson, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't have that flowery, floral essence, you know, that's real spiciness. All I get is a little bit of rye and then corn. Well, a lot of that is because here in the States, when we make the, the farmhouse ales, mm-hmm. we make them all bottled conditioned so you get extra yeast in those where this is not bottled conditioned you know right. it's made to either put in your growler or on your keg also this is a open range farm house ale oh I don't know I'm just making stuff range. up now <laughs> you mean like they just open up the sides of the bar, uh, the farmhouse and let the wild yeast uh, ferment that is the only uh, lambics only Lindemans, oh. where they're located, and there's wild yeast in the air. Mm. 
Wild Yeast. Yeah, I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. It's a solid beer. It's a three star yeah. rating. Yeah, yeah, I, I, give, I gave I gave it a three on Untapped. I gave it a three as I'm well. I'm going on to go and rate it now because I always forget to do such. I always remember, even when I drink shitty beers like last night. I checked into those little bad blues. <laughs> oh, man. If you follow me, you can see that. Then I, then I had number nines because I saw they had that up top. Nice, nice. And it's it's like giving myself a rundown of what has happened to my palate. Over the week? Over the whole week, untapped. It's kind of nice. Good. So you like to look back at what's happened over the week? Yes, yes. I wish we did a segment like that. Man, maybe we should start doing one. Yeah. (laughs) Right now. (laughs) Oh, it's Week in Geek time. It is. We do do one of those segments. Hey. Hey. Um, Paul, you had a couple things you were looking forward to talking about, right? Uh, Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest news uh, this past week was, uh, much like PlayStation, Microsoft has come out and announced that at E3 this year, there will not be a new Xbox 360. Uh, still no name for that new system either. Well, it's under the code name Durango. Yeah, but, but that's much like Project Dolphin or Revolution or mm-hmm. anything else. Blue Harvest, which Ooh, was Star Wars. Star Wars, the second one. Yeah, Empire. Empire Strikes Back was Blue Harvest. Um, yeah, I'm kind of not disappointed because I still have a ton of games to play from this era of video game. Like there's still Xbox games that are older that I still want to get out there and play. So yeah, I just not, started playing the first Mass Effect. Not getting the uh, a new system anytime soon is a good thing for me. Like, I mean, games are still great. They still mm-hmm. look awesome. I mean, yeah, of course when they come out with the next gen systems, they'll look even better. But I'm in no rush right now. I'm, I'm enjoying everything that I have. Yeah, I, and is the I'm trying to check it in. Oh. What, what's the name of the beer? It's Just Jack's look, Abbey. Up, look under your friends Jack's. who have drank it. Yeah. Oh. Who your friends on there? You should friend us, too, if you use Untapped, everybody. Yeah, just... Uh, if you send your contact information to Bagged and Board, we'll, we'll find yeah. you. Yeah, send... Because uh, I don't want to give my real email Bagden, address out. Contact at BaggedandBoardcast.com, and yeah. uh, we'll... We'll add you on. We'll add you up. I get those emails directly to my phone now. They'll be social. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't really care about a new system yet. I mean, I just got my Xbox, like, two years ago. So, I mean, I still have a ton of games that I want to play. And there's still really good stuff coming out on the 360 that, yeah, I don't need to grab a new system for at least another couple of years. And I'm, I'm more of a casual gamer. I've bought more games in the last couple of years than I have in a long time. Yeah. But, like, I maybe buy five games a year. And I don't like. I don't want to go have to have to go buy a whole new system to play those. You purchasing games. five new games a year does not constitute you as a casual gamer, sir. Because that is three hundred dollars spent on games. Yeah, I feel like casual gamers—they're the ones that are coming in to buy. And uh, I could get shit for saying this, but they're going to buy the Call of Duty or the Madden's, like, and that's the game that they buy every year. They buy like, maybe two. Those aren't casual games to play because once you start playing those, that's what you play. But they're in there just for, you know, one or two games a year. Like, I buy maybe one game a month or every other month. Um, I've gotten a little bit more selective about what I've purchased, but I consider myself a gamer. And I, I think you're a gamer, too, because, yep. I mean, you do play a lot. and you. you I actually do. Stuff. I do play a lot. And, and you do 
when you love a game, you love a game. Yeah. I do. Much like, uh, what's the game that you love? Borderlands? I love Borderlands! I know. And it's kind of funny because gamers can become very emotional emotional about their games. No, I, I would say John does get emotional. You are, <laughs> you are correct. It's just... It, it ferments the mouth. Uh, you <laughs> foam at the mouth with it. Uh, much like the fans of Mass Effect. Oh, yes. See, that was a killer segue. That was uh, a good segue. Mass Effect 3 had an online petition started. Not only a petition, but a chip-in where people could pay a dollar to say, yes, the ending of Mass Effect 3 apparently sucks and we want it changed. Have, have you gotten to the end yet? No. I've been wanting to talk to you about this. I know. I've kind of heard about the ending and then I'm like, nope, don't want to know about it. I want to get there. I want to experience my ending. And people are complaining that, oh, the ending isn't really my ending. It all the things that I thought I was taking advantage of and making choices of didn't really play a part of the ending and I haven't gotten there yet so I don't know what actually happens and they're actually going back and now somebody's even trying to sue through uh, the Better Business Bureau or at the SEC saying no Mass Effect 3 was marketed as all those decisions come to your final to the final battle and all those choices you made will affect uh, impact the ending, and they're saying that's not what actually happened. Well, and I spent sixty dollars. No, but here's the thing: everything you do in those earlier games does affect what happens in the game. Like, in the game, yeah, right. But the marketing has been that it will affect your the ending of this game. You know, it will all impact. But yeah, I mean, what happens in the game? So I'm is the twenty ending. hours into mm-hmm. Mass Effect Three, and I'm not upset about it yet. Yeah, I'm actually enjoying it, and I'm actually enjoying the multiplayer too, which I thought I would hate. I heard it's basically like horde mode from yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like horde mode, and it's not that I crazy. <laughs> but uh, I, I still enjoy it. It's something fun to do for like fifteen twenty minutes because that's how long a match usually takes. And you know, and what's great about it is that even when you're doing that, you feel like it's actually playing a part of your single player game. Mm. Like everything you do in that game seems like it's all leaning towards that war effort against the Reapers. You know, it's it's kind of fun how they have it all working together. Like, none of the side missions feel like, oh, this is just a stupid side mission, it doesn't really matter, because they all kind of lead back to the main quest, which That's is good. get the war- galaxy ready to fight them Reapers. Sounds just interesting. So, uh, I don't know if I should have, if I should chip in yet with the ending thing, but... Uh, Bioware has said they have taken it to heart, and right now they're cons- they actually uh, sent out a uh, press release saying that they're they're kind of hurt by all this, and they feel bad, and they're going to look at it. They're going to look at well, it, and maybe new expansions. Have you heard they're doing DLC for it? Mm-hmm. Basically, it's going to be a new ending that's not really like it takes what happened into heart, but it's like another side almost. Mm-hmm. Um, which, this brings up an interesting point, because I actually really wanted to talk about this. Would you pay to download a different ending for a game that you've played? People have done it before for uh, the one Tomb Raider game. Really? There, uh, I think, was it Underworld? where I haven't played a Tomb Raider game since Where there DS1. was an actual DLC yeah, game. So. The DLC for that game was <laughs> actually like the continuation of the story and another ending for the game. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Tomb Raider Underworld. So it wouldn't be unprecedented. Unprecedented. 
having a hard time speaking today. It's okay. Uh, it's because you need to go to the it's dentist. It's unfathomable. Yeah, you're unfathomable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, would I... Mass if, if, Effect, you, if you just weren't happy with an ending, like, they haven't said anything it's about... It's unfair, because Mass Effect is a franchise where I will spend money. Yeah. Like, I haven't downloaded any DLC for well, uh, uh, for Dragon Age 2. Okay. I'm trying to think of a game that you played and enjoyed. Batman. Mm-hmm. Say, for some reason, you hated the ending for that, it. That damn Oracle ending. Would you pay for a different ending? Well, I kind With that DLC for the Catwoman pack, mm-hmm. if you bought it new... Which I never finished. Um, You never... You had to finish the Catwoman's. Oh, you didn't finish I, I got to the part where I had to run around and grab all the, the jewels and stuff. Yeah, that's fine. But there's I never that, actually finished You There's an actual different ending to the game if you decide not to turn around and save Batman. If you mm-hmm. just leave Gotham, you get a completely different ending. See, I, I, I did the turn around. I went for Batman. Yeah, because it kind of tells you you kind of have to. Because what will happen is when you do, do that ending... It rewinds itself, so mm-hmm. you have to go back and save Batman. Oh, okay. Otherwise, the game... And then you can't go back through that door again. Yeah. The game just ends at that point, and it's not the true ending. So I did kind of pay for a different okay. ending through DLC. I but got to you, see it. But ends. you got that ending with the DLC. Now, what if that was just the canon ending? And then I'm like... Oh, and then all of a sudden they're like, enough. oh, sorry, guys. Wait, what happened nope. to Batman? I, he's trapped under rubble. That can't be the end. Sorry, guys. Here's this ending. We're going to charge $2 for this. Two dollars is awesome. I you pay two dollars for just a different ending? No, there has to be some gameplay. Well, there'll be a little bit of gameplay. Otherwise, I'll go on YouTube and just, just watch watch it. it myself. Like, okay, yeah. there'll be some gameplay stuff. And, you know, if it's but it's not going to be anything major. You're going to get maybe like an extra ten minutes. If the ending of a game, if I got to an end of a game, and I really liked it. Of course, I'm going to buy more DLC to get more game, more of that game, and more story. If I'm involved and I'm connected to that story, but let's say Halo Three, I played through it, got to the end, I did not care. Like it could have had any ending, any any ending at all, and it wouldn't have mattered to me. I'm like, oh, I beat this game because people say it's great, and I kind of got through it. DLC for it, I'm not going to buy it. So it really depends on how connected I am to the story of the game and to the game franchise itself. And like, Paul is taking this like. Lightly, I think. Yeah. Because Paul is crazy, uh, crazy about Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. When the second game came out, he had to completely go back and replay the whole game. He's a hundred percented the first, first game. game. Yeah, I'm going to one hundred percent the second one, given time, <laughs> and the third one. Hopefully, if I haven't, because I don't want to spoil myself, so I haven't even checked out the achievements for the third game yet. So mm-hmm. I don't know. But I mean. He beats he beats it. You beat it a couple times. Yeah. The first one. The first one I probably played through six or seven or eight different wow. times. Wow! But it's but then he heard about game. then he heard that the second one's coming out. <laughs> he went back and started playing it. Then like the week before the game came out, he went and played the first one again. And then the second one. And then he played the second one. And then he beat the second one. And then did you have to go back and play the first one again and play before three? Them? Yeah, before three I played the first and second one again. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one why I 100%ed the yeah. first one because I finally played it on Insanity and then I played the second one again and then to lead me right into the third. Uh, so I played through the second one only three times. Only three. Only three. Three different times now. So okay. that, that I have a couple more playthroughs to go through. 
with two, and I'm just on my first playthrough of one still. And this game's been out for like three weeks, and I still haven't beaten it, so I don't think I have a problem. Okay. So I don't awesome. have a Mass Effect problem. But you have a Mass Effect problem. I don't have a problem. <laughs> now, here's how I thought Paul was going to handle this, though, because you're you're a Mass Effect fan, you're a Bioware fan. Uh-huh. I figure when you like, whenever you get to the ending, that you would accept that, like, okay, no, this is how Bioware wanted it to end. But you're saying you would possibly, well, download another ending if you. The, the fan rumor for it so far now is like so crazy. If Bioware offers me, hey, no, you this is DLC. You get to play through this diff- different chunk, and you get also this ending. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to play through that now. You would get there. it just because it's downloadable content for it's, Mass Effect. It's more Mass Effect. It's more Commander Shepard because this is Mass Effect Three. No more Commander Shepard after this. Uh, and more story of him and his team. Like, of course, I'm going to take a look at that. Like, I okay. I downloaded the Amazon books and started reading them. Really? Yes. <laughs> For seven dollars a piece, because I want more. Sto- I, I like this universe. It's a lot of fun. So you would accept the ending that they have plotted for you, even though it's not based on your character choices. But I mean, you would imagine that Bioware. Took everything that you could do in that game and made one just unified ending, kind of. Well, I always assumed that it would be like there would be multiple different endings for the game. If I did these X, Y, Z, and B choice, those combined, and that's what gives me ending A, and blah, 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 and this choice gives me ending C, and there would be, I would guess, maybe four different endings. For the series, really? No, because even the first two had really two different endings. Paragon or Renegade. And the second one, choice A at the end or choice B at the end. And I assume the same, at least, at the very least for Mass Effect 3, there will be choice A at the end and choice B at the end. And those will give me the endings at the end of the game. And I'm hoping that at least there will be, like... C ending and D ending, so maybe four. So they <laughs> four different endings instead of just the two. But if there's only the two different endings, I'm not going to be upset about it, like because that's what I've gotten in each, each of the two other, game. other games, and those choices have impacted the game that I've been playing at the time and the story that's being told at the time, because I am telling my Commander Shepard story. So. As long as my Commander Shepard gets the ending that I think he deserves, I'm cool with it. Um, I don't want to alarm you, Paul, but I read online that there's like six endings for, for, mess- for, for three. But there's only there's like slight differences. That's how the other ones like were. ever so tiny. I don't want to spoil anything for people that haven't played one and two, but those are slight differences for the ending of one and two. But they felt like those cho- the choice that I made at the end played out. Right, and that's all I want. That's all you want. That's all I need. I want. I want a satisfying ending for my Commander Shepard. Do I need to have an epilogue of seeing him fifty years down the road when he was retired and still living with Tally, sweet sweet Tally? (laughs) 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 That might be nice and interesting, and seeing little Tally, Corian, half Corian, half human kids running around. That'd be cool because I don't know what a half Corian, half human kid would look like. Uh, I don't even know. She wears a mask. I don't even know what she looks like. (laughs) You see her eyes kind of blink, and that's it. I don't even know what a Corian looks like outside the environment. You just know you want to have sex with it. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> during one of the breaks during the sporting event. Because <laughs> I didn't chew. Gave her the flu. Really? Yes. Is that what you call your penis? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I call the whole thing the chimney. Oh, I see. I see what you did there. Do we have any more news? Uh, I think I think this is... Because we're 23 minutes in now. I, I think this is another thing that we need to talk about, and that is we're all... We all grew up big fans of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's true, we did. Producer Scott wanted to see their musical show. He was, here coming he, out of the shells. I, I had that on cassette tape. He was, he was pizza-powered. <laughs> Um, and the big producer of the new movie, oh. Michael Bay, has said yes. that, well, they're not going to be mutants anymore, but aliens. So they're not going to be teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. They're just going to be Ninja Turtles. Who cares? Um, I, I honestly don't care. In England, will they be hero turtles? I don't know. Because the cartoon show in England isn't Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. And Michelangelo can't use nunchucks because they're illegal, and he uses, like, a net. He's a hero. Heroes can do what they want. Yeah, but ninjas aren't heroes, so that's why... They're dark heroes. Yeah, they're, they're assassins, the, the government of England said, so they're like, nope, nope, no, none of that. We, we shan't have any of that here. Here's the thing about aliens versus mutants... That that kind of doesn't bother me because what if they had been aliens all along and now alternate universe Michael Bay saying oh no now they're mutants no as long as they're Ninja Turtles or Hero then, Turtles then what what about Splinter he, he could be an alien, alien rat yeah alien rat why not um it's been Crane can be a mutant he's an alien he's it's been a, it's been a huge backlash of characters. I kind of feel the same as you, but at the same time, if you're going to make this movie... It's Michael Bay. I wasn't going to see not, it to begin with. Why not just make it Yeah, Mutant Turtles? That's why, what they've always been. Why change it? Um, they do have uh, the one creator is working on the script with the, the director, who's the director of, not Clash of the Titans, but the new one. Wrath of the Titans. Wrath of the Titans, who he's a big fan craters on there, and they're saying this is a way to flush out some really interesting new kind of backstory for these characters, which, versus what's already been hashed out before. Which creators is it? Kevin Eastman or Peter Laird? Uh, I can look that up. Kevin okay. Eastman is the one that went batshit crazy with things and made Dantella like a cyborg arm and everything, and Peter Laird is one the one that left. Like, Yeah, Eastman was still in like control of most of the mm-hmm. stuff, so I'm just wondering who... Because I I would think that Eastman would be more okay Kevin with Eastman being okay. more with the aliens because he actually took the turtles out <laughs> into outer space to battle the aliens. Yeah. Hence Krang. Um, but and Peter Laird left like the turtles for a long time. Well, he sold off his rights. Yeah. Yeah. Because he wanted it to be that kind of dark parody of, you know, uh, Frank Miller's work with Daredevil and stuff. Yeah. Um, and the director, uh, Jonathan um, Liebsman, Liebsman. Um, from Wrath of the Titans, says uh, his, it's probably going to be computerized um, turtles, but they're going to have the same real look that you saw in Rise of Planet of the Apes, which mm-hmm. the special effects in that were really great, and it probably is going to be motion capture. 
um, yeah, look. Just... And he's coming off a big computerized movie with Wrath of the Titans, mm-hmm. so he knows what he's doing. It's, it's... Fan of the project, and you really just have Bay on there. And what really set the fans off was Bay's like, "Stop bitching." Just let me do my thing kind of yeah. attitude. I don't know. Here's the thing. I mean, yeah, you're going to put Michael Bay in charge of something because you know what? You might not like his movies, but he makes movies that people see. I mean, those yeah. Transformers movies, they're not great. The third one was actually surprisingly enjoyable, but not by any means a good movie. Well, but how much fucking money did that thing make? How much have all three of those movies made? Yeah. You know? Well, his big thing was... I he's, mean, the- he's bankable. He, I'm just glad Andy Circus will still have another movie to work on. Um, after after the Hobbits, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, he's not to completely sidebar, but Andy Circus, he's doing some of the co-directing stuff in the Hobbit now. Oh, really? Um, Peter Jackson is trusting him with doing like second unit. Hmm. So, I mean, if he doesn't have to do motion capture, he he might have a career of his own. In two years, we could be talking about the new Andy Serkis movie coming out. Yeah. Um, but this is Michael Bay who even admitted that he phoned in Transformers 2. He didn't believe in it. He didn't think mm-hmm. it was good. But he still promoted it. He still did what he would. But um, it's when he said fans need to take a breath and a chill. You can't imagine... I mean, you can expect people to have a backlash yeah. over someone saying... It's not TMNT. It's not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is going to be Ninja Turtles. Yeah, the story saying you love kids, shut up. It's not the story I'm telling. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you want to do this project if it's not the story you want to tell? There's a better way to go about it and saying, hey, have Kevin Eastman, one of the creators, say, hey, we're taking a new spin on things. You've seen the old old Turtles Mm -hmm. from the 90s. We're doing a new spin on it. I think people would take in that better than him just saying that it's going to be aliens and then take a chill. Yeah. I just, I just oh, imagine when Michael Bay was saying this, he's like, boom, take a chill, pow! He puts in his own explosion sound effects. He talks. That's what I would do. That would be so awesome to see up on stage. He just like the Iron Man facts, like, boom, spirit fingers. <laughs> I don't know, but... I, I, I say this, like, okay, yeah, whatever. But I know if the same thing happened with Harry Potter, like, if it was like, they're not wizards, they're aliens now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'd probably be like, what the fuck are you talking about? So I I can see how people would be upset. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the name, it's their name. Yeah. You know, they're the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It seems uh, like such a weird it, thing. It seems, you know, why... Why make it that way? But they think they're saying that they can make something more out of it. You can have more turtles. That was why <laughs> we don't need this to Milo. I'm sorry, we don't need the girl turtle. And, and exact. I mean, that's that's one of the sides. And, and they're saying, well, we could have more turtles. You could do different stories and different cities with turtles. Okay. I'm going to be really upset if he runs into the plant if the turtles actually hang out with the ducks from the planet. That Howard the Duck is from. I'm just uh, gonna. This is so horrible, Paul. When you start talking about ducks, I started thinking about the Mighty Ducks cartoon that you yeah. put out, and I was like, "Oh my god, I would watch this." Because <laughs> <laughs> they were like, but they don't play they, hockey. They were crazy action ducks who shot like hockey pucks. They don't. <laughs> like, was, now they play baseball. It was fucking sweet. <laughs> they don't play hockey anymore, though, Chris. Now they play baseball. 
take a chill, deal with it. Boom! Boom! Oh, Pow. man. But, I mean, we're, we're fans. We want to see the animated movie they put out yeah. a couple years ago. You know, Scrooge McDuck no longer hoards money. He hoards chocolates. Oh, man. I would, deal with it. I would totally hoard chocolate. <laughs> I, but I think it's something that it could have been delivered better. And it's mm-hmm. Michael Bay, and you're kind of like, it's Transformers, but it's not second one really blue. The only reason I watched the third one is because I got it for free to watch. Yeah. I, I haven't seen two or three. You don't need to see two. Because one hurt my head. <laughs> <laughs> They're from space. Which is cold. Why does the cold affect them on Earth? Maybe their planet's hot. Hey, have you ever tried starting your car when it's really cold out? <laughs> they can fly through space. At the end of the first movie, they're in ship flies through space. He does fly out of the space. He does fly right. space. It's but he's cold got, he's, on there. He's got ship. He's like a spaceship too. Components the, the, on the outside. What all the other Transformers are spaceship things on the outside while they crash into Earth? No, because they scan the truck, and then that's when he becomes <laughs> the truck. It doesn't Bumblebee matter. Bumblebee scrams the thing, <laughs> and that's when matter. he doesn't care. No, it doesn't. But Michael know. Bay, this is what you do to me. Brain bullets. Paul's getting heated. He, like his brain bullets too are like buckshot. They came out like they, boom. They spread. <laughs> oh, could you please go into the list? Batman Live. <laughs> okay. No, that's something I'd see. Batman Live is something I would see after seeing that trailer and kind of like behind the scenes thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was written by Alan Heinberg. Um, I don't. Why did we start talking about this earlier? I don't remember what kind of. It's on the DC there. website. Okay. And it's. We can get because it's finally coming to the U.S. The tour dates were announced for the United States this week. I, this is something I would see. Um, we just twenty three skidooed. Like, what are tickets? Um, good seats are a hundred bucks. That's like first row floor seats, like Which, next to the stage. Okay, that's understandable. I mean, John, you put it best when it's like Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil meets Batman. It's Batman. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would see it um, plus talking and story and, and music. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry, a little bit musicals. of music. Visually, it looks just awesome. Characters look mm-hmm. great in it. The costumes look good. Um, I would see this. If I, it came to Toronto, yeah, I would say, like, guys, road trip. Let's go for exactly. a Exactly. That's yeah, a show right there. Totally a road trip that I would do because, man, the people that I hired to be Catwoman and Poison Ivy, awesome. They I, look hot. I generally, like, the costumes look good for mm-hmm. something that you figure, okay, it's a live show. They're doing these shows, like, it once is. or twice a day. For like a week in every town. It is not the Six Flags yeah. Batman show. Yeah. It looks good. I, I saw the Six Flags. I, I, I honestly Batman never show. went to. We ha- we used to have a Six Flags. Well, it was Daring Lake, and then it became. It was Daring Lake. It was Six Flags. Daring Lake. Daring Lake, and then it just became Daring Lake again. Because Six Flags they sold bankrupt. It. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I never went there in the time that it was a Six Flags, and they had the rights to like the DC mm-hmm. and. So you never read, rode the Man of Steel? No, I've, I've been on the ride of steel yeah. after Superman left the building. Mm-hmm. Or the park, I should say. So I, I never got to see any of that stuff. Yeah. It was okay. It was just a lot of pyrotechnics. It was a step up above your local 
uh, theme park that does like the uh, the sheriff shootouts. Oh yeah, no, it was Tennessee kind of Island. Like yeah, yeah, I've never oh. been there, and I'm okay with not getting gonorrhea. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, not not news. I'm not saying just because we're in the weekend geek doesn't mean there's a gonorrhea outbreak. I don't know. I just it seems really shady. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. like Martin's Fantasy Island. Yeah, there is this Martin. Why does he have a fantasy island? <laughs> For those of you not in the know, which is basically everyone that doesn't live in Buffalo, a few miles away from here, there's like a family like fun park called Martin's Fantasy Island that it just, it seems like it's a roadside attraction that nobody would be driving past. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't, it, isn't that like, but it gets, it gets people like, Canadians come down. Well, to yeah, go because there. if you bring your soda can, your uh, Coke can, uh, after five, you get in for like fifty cents. It's like crazy. <laughs> like every there's time, a deal. There's always a deal on like a soda can every summer, and it's like get into the park after five till close for like a dollar. It's like they close at six. <laughs> yeah. Like then they close at like nine or ten. It's one of these like every time I've driven past it, it's like. That roller coaster doesn't look safe. Well, like, not only that, you always ride by the, like the flume. There's ride. the flume ride. There's never any water. <laughs> like, like, how does this work? It's basically like they put you in like you go down in like a burlap sack. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Wait, wait. Okay, okay. This summer, can we go there? If you, if you want, this could be a fun episode. I'm just saying. Now that I'm thinking about as it, as long as we get the coke cans, as as we get the coke cans, cans right? Yes. <laughs> I can do it because I don't want to pay full price to get into that place. All right, it, it, I've been there and it's kind of a shithole, and much, I, I don't want to pay. How full much price. did you spend to get in there? I brought soda cans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I was gonna say it can't be more than like ten dollars. Like, no, it's 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 not that expensive at all. So, and if we need a place to park. My girlfriend's store is right by there. Oh, really? Yes. Grand <laughs> Island? Wow. Wow. I imagine she's going to be kicking a lot of kids out of her store. Mm. She already has. Cool. Just <laughs> the same. She's kicking them out just the normal. Wait till summer. Zynga about draw something for $200 million. Yeah, I like draw that something. Happened. I don't care about Zynga. You hate Zynga. They're fucking lame. Farmville, Cityville, Frontierville. Words, they bought Words with Friends. I, I fell out of Words with Friends like two weeks after I downloaded it. Draw something. Are you going to fall out of that now since Zynga bought it? Um, I don't play it as much as I did like the first week that I had it, but mm-hmm. I never have a free moment that I'm not doing anything else. I'll play a few of my games. I have like 25 games going right now. Oh, see, that's why I don't like doing those things. And the, but, as soon as I hit 12 games on Words with Hearts, I'm like, nope, too much. Gotta stop. Kind of draw something's fun for now. I I know I'll get over it eventually, but it's it's cool. I just... Mm-hmm. I like playing it. Um, It's fun, but... Man, Zynga's just all over that social gaming stuff. It's true. John, any, anything else for Weekend Geek? Uh, that was all I had. Oh man, all this weekend and geeking, I need a break. I need another beer before we get into the main topic. I'm really excited. That's right, Paul. We got a great beer for you. Uh, we are drinking something that our comic book <laughs> dealer turned us all on to, and that is Red Oak Amber Lager. Fresh and pure, right, right under the name, and it is exactly that. What you guys haven't had this without me? We well, we 
did. We did. Oh, sorry. So this, you had it without us, though. Yeah, and the comic book suppliers got Tom's Atomic Comics in Depew, New York. Go there, shop yeah, there. That's where we, we go. It. We love it. Uh, yeah, I've been going there for over ten store. years. I had the smallest sip of this, and it was such a glorious gift. It was so good. And uh, let's see if it lives up to the memory. <clears throat> oh, Paul, it most certainly will. <laughs> This beer is absolutely fantastic. I mean, right on it, it says fresh, comma, pure. And it is. Remember how I would say, like, it tastes like honey? This tastes like... There's a sweetness, there's a crispness, there's a pureness to this. And uh, it's much... Like the tag says. Yeah, and it's... it's delicious. It's uh, brewed with the Rimheidenskabut, the German uh, beer, beer purity law. Um, so that's you just, know, it's four ingredients. Yeah, it's um, barley, hops, yeast, yeast, water. Water. Five. It says <clears> on the back. Um, brewed without any of the 400 additives and preservatives allowed in U.S. beers. Real Bavarian-style lager, unfiltered and unpasteurized for a rich, smooth taste. I wish this is something that you could just get anywhere, but it's not. You can only get it in North Carolina within the vicinity of the brewer. And the brewer is <clears throat> crazy about it. The, this beer <clears throat> this beer has never hit light. Um, it, it, it never wants to. You cannot let it get warm and then drink it again. On the, on the case itself, it says keep cold. Um, and this was brought to me. They, the people that brought this to me, because I asked them too. I said, if you're ever there and you see it, please bring it to me. They picked it up to buy it, and as they're leaving, somebody just said, "Just oh, you're where are you guys headed?" And they're like, "New York." He's like, "You want to buy some ice?" And they're yeah. like, "What?" And like, um, "You need to buy some ice. You got to keep it cold." And they did. I mean, it, it made the trip. It says must be refrigerated. <laughs> yeah, you have to have this cold. I don't even no, want to imagine having keep this cold. Must be refrigerated. And I, I hear like the, either the brewer or some of the works of the brewer goes to stores that have the beer to make sure that things are kept in the cold section they're not like they're not out on the floor or anything mm-hmm. like that it's kind of like um there's a the beer store around here called consumers had bottles of um 120 dogfish head 120 up on the glass displayed so people could see it as they come in just sitting there with the light pouring like just yeah going through the bottle like oh who wants to buy those bottles for 18 dollars yeah. or 14 dollars I mean, when we were talking to our comic book guy, Don, about this, like, him and uh, John, the guy he works with, they took a road trip down to North Carolina. They went to the brewery. They stayed overnight because they knew they were just going to drink as much as they could. And they brought back, I think they had, like, three coolers full. Like, they had growlers. They had bottles. They stocked up because it's, honestly, it's that good. Yeah. I, if there was a beer I wanted to drink every day of a hot summer night, it'd be this beer. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And it, it it does make me sad that it'll probably be months to years before I could have this beer again. When we take our Florida trip, we might have to drive through North Carolina. Oh, we're, yeah. we're stocking up and just like grab a couple growlers each. Like I'm saying, we, like we, we, we have to have room for a cooler or two in like the trunk. Uh, and we should make sure that we can stop. Get a tour of the brewery. I'd, I'd like to meet the man that makes this beer and shake his hand. Mm-hmm. This is good. I'm, see, the thing is, do you guys think at all that it's because it's such a no- novelty up here that that you enjoyed so much, or is it 
I, really that good. I think it's really that good because I, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there was there's a big thought, is, there is a big say. thing in my hand like, you know, oh, is it just subliminal? But it it just it does have a wonderful flavor. It's a great flavor. It's there's, a very light and delicate pure flavor. It's so refreshing. It does not punch you in your mouth. It's not an IPA. It's not big and robust. It's not a really dark lager. It's not a milk stout, which just, you know, sits on you. The mouthfeel isn't incredible. It's not, you know, richy, rich or smoky. It is light, crisp, and pure. I keep on saying those words because it's (laughs) It's on the bottle, but it describes it perfectly. Like, it encapsulates what this beer is. And the thing is, it's wonderful. It's like hot, like mowing the lawn. If I could just have this Awesome. Is it something that I would always drink over every single beer? No. No, I wouldn't either. But I, it's. But I would want it on hand. Yeah, this is a beer I would if I see it. I am definitely buying it because it's a novelty. But if it was always around, I think I would pick other beers more than this. I think often. I think if it was like, oh, I'm gonna, I want a beer to have in the fridge for when I'm. Doing stuff or out out and about. I'm mowing. I'm going for a run. I come home. I want a nice cold beer on a hot summer day. Yeah. This is my beer. Hey, I'm in a hoppy mood. You know, I have my hoppy beers. Hey, yeah. it's winter. I want a smoky beer. Give me a smoky mm-hmm. beer. This is not a beer for all occasions. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I think you. I mean, you could drink it all the time. I think. Mm-hmm. I think you could. It works, but there are other beers for other yeah. for occasions that work better. Um, if I don't feel like hops and I don't want like this is this like, is a five this star is, beer. This is a five star middle of the road beer. <laughs> you want something a little more hoppy, you go this way. A little yeah. more smoky, you go this way. But I think when it comes down the road, like this is like almost at all encompassing. This is just one of the best beers I've had. Yeah, because it's only what five ingredients. This. This is the best <clears throat> amber lager I've had. I yeah. said it's probably the best. This is the lager. best lager I've had ever. Lager isn't that big of a deal to me, though. So yeah. it's it's winning, like an event that isn't that big of a deal. It's like winning the two man skeleton when everybody's kind of rooting for the bobsled team to win. I'm sorry, I was going to say winning the Special Olympics. <laughs> no, because it deserves a lot more than that, but it's a good beer. It's a great beer. Uh, I, I If it was it. around, I would probably not love it as much as I do. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It, what if it was one of those, I don't want to say seasonal, but it almost cyclical. Like If it was, yeah. You'd be able to get it maybe like... For two months out of Two months, and then it's stock not. up. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing with this beer. It's like great... The thing is, they have seasonals. They have other beer that Red Oak makes. And here's the thing: I want to try those. Too. As much as I like seasonals, th- this is one that I would probably put above those. I, the Great Lakes Christmas Ale. Oh yeah, fantastic! If I had to pick between the Christmas Ale and this, I'd pick this. I'd go with this. I would pick this I over Saranac's White IPA. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> easily. Yeah. So I mean, I, it's it's a. Really good beer. I like you have your favorites, and now you have another favorite. Yeah, yeah. You know, you we don't drink like one of my favorite beers 
is um, flower power. Mm-hmm. I, I, all of ours. We yeah. all like flower power. I don't drink it all the time. Yeah. I, if I see some place that has it on tap, I go. I went to a cask party. They had it on cask. I went. And got, I only had one. I had four other beers that night as well. You know, Red Oak is up there as my favorite. I don't have to drink it all the time, but I could. Yeah, I could. I'm trying to think like my ranking where it would fall in there without actually ranking it. Um, it's really good. I don't know if I could place it over any of my favorites like Flower Power, like the Toasted Lager, the, uh, the Breckenridge Small Batch. I mean, those are really great beers. I can't put this over those, but I think it would easily be within the top 10, probably within the 10 to 5 range, not in the 5 or above, because it's really good, but I haven't had it enough to say, yeah. like, oh, man, this this beer, yeah, it's great. Yeah, this yeah, is definitely I, a top 10 beer. Top I, 10 I don't know beer, if it breaks the top 5. Mm-hmm. Somewhat like 6 or 7 is where I'd probably, probably hold it. I, I'd, I'd be confident saying 7 or 8 for it, mm-hmm. because it's one of those beers, like, if I saw it, and I, I would have to be in the mood for it, I don't think this is something I yeah. could really drink at any point. Like, sitting like, around here, like, I was excited to talk about it. I was excited when you brought it. <laughs> I, I don't think if it was just, like, a regular day, I could open up the fridge and say, like, oh, I'm going to have a Red Oak. I would mm-hmm. go for, you know, the Blue Point Toasted Lager before yeah. that, because that's just a great anytime beer. This is awesome. And I'm kind of coming over to Paul's side of thinking now. Yeah. Like, I would have to be, oh, man, I just fucking ran. Come inside. I just need cold beer. I just, I, like, I just spent all day outside washing yeah. cars for I, homeless people. I don't know how they have, do that. I don't know how they have cars or why they're homeless. Living in your car, Jewel did. She turned out fine. This is that, this is that beer. She like had a whole van. I can just picture That's myself, like, coming up, true. coming up into my upstairs apartment mm-hmm. when it's a hot mm-hmm. summer day after I've been outside all day. And it's so hot in the apartment, and it's at night. The fans are on, the windows are open, and you're just like, you open the fridge, and you're like, oh my god, I got a red oak. Yeah. Yes, this is going to be amazing. This could pair well with, I think, lighter fare, like uh, your pastas. Yeah. Your Definitely. your good fish cores. Your yeah, good to drink, but exactly, John. But I don't think this holds up to steak. No, you yeah, you wouldn't want to drink this with a steak. No. No. Pizza I, I, maybe. Yeah, I'd say a pizza. I'd love, like, like at a ball game, sitting out on a hot summer day, yeah. I would love to be drinking this beer. This would be good. Oh, I, I thought you would want to go out for a, sm- a smoke break at a ball game. Or maybe, you know, fuck your partner during a ball game. I didn't know you drank at a ball game. Well, uh, it, it depends on who's being matched up at the ball game. <laughs> I was segue. I was trying to segue. Yeah, but we're going into oh, the list. Oh <laughs> fuck! We haven't done the list yet. No, I, I was. Really? Going, I was going to save this for the main topic, but uh, Paul threw it out there and was like, "I'll definitely drink a red oak." I, I figured we'd get through. The I completely list forgot quickly. about the list. Yeah, let's let's knock through that quick. Okay, list. Marshall Yates. Paul, what book are you looking forward to? The Flash number seven. I feel like this book we don't talk about enough in Prince Manipal and writer Brian Buccellato. I, we haven't Ugaletto. been talking about it because I haven't been reading it. Yeah. I've been reading it off and off. Uh, Since number one. I think I've read number two and maybe three, but yeah. I've been picking it up. Uh, you know, the thing is, and I said this before the podcast, The Flash is not a Flash book until the rogues gallery gets there. 
And we're finally getting the Rhodes Gallery back with Captain Cold coming. So, awesome. John, what you looking forward to? Uh, I'm going for um, the goon number... Read it. 38. <laughs> I couldn't I remember if it was 37 or 38. Uh, 37... You give a you get a little more of the origin story um, of um, uh, his aunt um, who uh, was Petunia. Uh, no, I thought it was Petunia. Fuck, that's no, the thing's aunt. Oh, my great aunt Petunia. Yeah, that's right. Aunt, fantastic court reference. Aunt Kizzy, oh. uh, who was a strong woman who was killed that progressed him to kill the gangster oh, yeah. and take over, take over that. You get a bit of her backstory, which is some more backstory of the goon. Hmm. As a kid, did he eat pancakes and then turn good after eating pancakes? <laughs> Probably. No, another Dark Horse bad. book. <laughs> that's that's Hellboy, everybody. Hellboy. Hellboy. Chris. Chris. I'm Chris. Um, I'm looking forward to a Marvel book. Am I becoming a zombie? Probably not. This book may make me rethink my Marvel, newfound Marvel fandom. Um, it's Avengers vs. X-Men number one. I, Did you pick up Avengers Children's Crusade number a seven of seven or nine? Of no, nine because who knew when that was coming? Out? Exactly. Does that play into Avengers? Versus- no, it doesn't feed into anything. This is more based off of everything that's been happening in the X Men universe with the Regenesis, oh. X Sanction, um, Phoenix Force is coming back, and it's got its eyes locked on Hope Summers. Uh, the Avengers are out to stop that. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Brian Michael Bendis writing it alongside the Marvel architects that are calling them. So while Bendis is writing this, you have Jason Aaron, Matt Fraction, um, not Greg Rick, I'm Ed Brubaker, Brian Bendis. It's their collective writers brainstorming this, being put onto paper by Bendis. I'm hoping that's enough to help it, <laughs> but for the actual art duties, I, I don't want to say it like this, but John Romita Jr. is doing it. Uh, Not my favorite artist. Um, he can, yeah. Because you see those Craig Young covers. Mm-hmm. Or not, not Craig Young, I'm sorry. Um, Craig Yost? Jim no, Chum. He's a writer. Jim, Jim Chum. Chum. Craig Young's an anchor who did Runaways. Um, I love his work ever since Young Avengers. You see those covers, it draws you in, and then you open it up. I don't... I, I can't get excited for John Romita on art, but this is a book I am looking forward to because I have become a bigger X-Men fan thanks to Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. Man, it's it's mostly creators that we look forward to, right? Absolutely. Man. And that's why we're here with the Bagged and Bored Bracket March Madness comic book creator craze! You put more words in that time, too. There's what? totally more words. Same one. I didn't even look it up. This week, we're talking about the artists. Much like in the intro, we already talked about the writers that have won. But right now, let's go over to DC and see the first matchup. Number one seed, Jim Lee, versus number eight seed, Adriana. Right? Adrian? Adria? Sorrentino. Yeah. Uh, Sorrentino. Writer, uh, artist on iVampire. Uh, Jim this Lee's is, a huge name. This is tough, because it's two very different styles, too. Mm-hmm. Um, One very much superhero superhero as superhero. He draws like a great, just a great stoic superhero. And Andrea Sorrentino does a great horror kind of feel. She, capture, she captures a great horror look. She does. 
it, it's it's really tough because they are such different artists. Mm-hmm. Um, we should probably say pencilers, yes. because you know there's a lot of people that work on the art team, inkers and colorists all play a part. But when you talk about art, you always talk about the pencilers first, and yeah. That's because I don't really understand inkers or colorists as much as I would like to. Yeah. And Inker, inkers and colorists, contact at bankmoreKids.com. Come on our show and uh, talk to us. Yes, yeah. please do. We awesome. appreciate it. Yeah. Educate us and our fan base. You know, who's he, our fan Jim, base? Jim Lee, I think, is just, he really is just an amazing talent for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, with Wildcats and everything. Think of all the different takes he's done on Batman. I mean, he, he did Batman and Hush, All-Star Batman, uh, the Batman Now, the Batman that he designed for um, the DCU, DCU online. online. I mean, he he can... It still has the Jim Lee look, but it's different every time. You know, he, he's, he is an amazing artist. He changes up how far the years <laughs> come up but even that, I mean, like just the the front of the mask, right. different things that he does do. You know, he's he's able to do those, and still have it look like look a Jim Lee. Yeah, I he can draw something new, but you look at it and you say that's Jim Lee. Um, with Andrea Sorrentino, when I first saw the art for I Vampire, I really thought it was Jay Lee doing it, right? Because it is that very heavy shadow, that heavy shadow kind of scratchy. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost everything is kind of posed. Not that Jim Lee's not, but every Jay Lee cover you see is pretty much the same. It's someone standing on top of next to a statue. And I, I kind of got that same feel from Andrea Sorrentino. Hmm. Um, I don't know, like, you, after we pause or take a break, I want you to just Google image Jay Lee covers and try to tell me that just doesn't look like the book. Um, he did the <clears throat> Identity uh, Crisis covers, didn't he? Identity Crisis covers? Jay Lee? No. Jim Lee? Or no, are no, you talking um, about Jay Lee? I was talking about Jay Lee. Oh, I don't... So you mean the, the Dark Andrew Horse? Sorrentino. He does the Dark Horse ones. He's done a lot of like, Marvel and some DC stuff. Why don't you pause it? We're actually... We're, we're okay, looking. we're gonna look. If there's a break in the sound there, it's because Paul actually brought up some Jay Lee artwork. And it looks a lot like the Andrea Sorrentino. Andrea or Andre, I'm not sure mm-hmm. how it's pronounced. But it's such a close similarity between the styles. I feel like it loses all inventiveness. It was cool when I saw it from like Inhumans, The Century. Yeah. Everything that Jay Lee did. When you see a Jim Lee book, it's iconic. That dude redefined comic books in the 90s. <laughs> Just like the art style, that big, bold, like, superhero book. I just... When you see his stuff still, it still stands out. And whenever I see the Eye of Vampire book, I just think, like, oh, man, this looks like Jay Lee. It almost distracts me. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea. Andrea Sorrentino. Uh, no, you, you made it. You got into the bracket. I, I really love Paul, your work on... Paul loves Eye Vampire. Uh, on Eye Vampire. I think it's great. Um, I think next year, hopefully, you'll have another book uh, 
that's going on other than just I Vampire. We, maybe you'll we'll see some more, and maybe you'll beat Jim Lee next year, or hopefully you won't even be bracketed against Jim Lee. But there's no one way I can move you on other than over Jim Lee. Yeah. But it's an accomplishment to be here, so yeah. you know. Take that. If you're going to lose to someone, it, it yeah. might as well be Jim Lee. It's great looking art, too. It, yeah, it's it great art. I, just, I it, had to put her on this list. And unfortunately, she kind of fell as and like, the eighth seat. And like you know? what Chris, Chris had mentioned, I don't know if he mentioned on the podcast, but it's it's like it's like them by a statue, and, that, and that's it. It's very a stoic picture, and then a colorful black background behind it. Most likely like a red or a Orange or something like that. Yeah, and it's got a great look. It's a great image. It's very sparse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, there's nothing that really jumps out about the art. Yeah, and I mean, you, you, that's your style. Maybe you got to find some way around that or do something different with it. But yeah, Jim, I, uh, how can you not give it to Jim Lee? Because <clears throat> some of his Justice League books lip rushed. I don't know. He doesn't do a monthly book. Yeah, he's not a monthly guy. Like, I'm shocked that Justice League has kept up as it has. I mean, it's for, a six-week book. For the fact that he does this, he does covers from time to time. Mm -hmm. He's co-publisher now, too, so yeah. I mean, he's doing Batman Live behind-the-scenes videos. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's time away from the drawing table. And so Paul thinks he's short. <laughs> he did look really short. He did, he did look really, really short in that video. Like, how Check tall out, is Jim Go on to YouTube.com and just look up Batman Live. Um, You'll see. All right. Let's move on to our fourth seed and our fifth seed, I would believe. Uh, I forgot the numbering. Oh, yes. I can look up here. Yep. It's fourth okay. and fifth seed. Francis Manipole versus <clears throat> Greg Capullo. Don't we jump over to we jump over to Marvel? I thought we finished the whole bracket and then jump over. I thought we were going top. Paul, this okay. is your baby. Paul, we'll do it how Paul no, wants to do fine, it, John. John. Fine, John. No, Paul. I think Paul. Alex Maleev versus Greg Land over at Marvel. Oh, God, Top Alex Top seed, Alex Maleev versus Greg Land, our bottom seed. We, it, it, over here at Bag and Boardcast, we do not enjoy Greg Land's uh, book because there are scenes that he draws that the characters are in such a pose that uh, do not make sense for what is happening in the book. It's all so photo-referenced. Why would magic be biting her finger while portaling in? I don't know. Like we, we Why talked about is he yelling when the word balloons a whisper? Why is this happening, Greg Land? You did awesome work. He did, he was so great on the early Birds of Prey, Sojourn, his Nightwing stuff. He was a solid artist, and his stuff just became so photo-referenced, so flat and plasticky that... I, I can't buy a book that he's on. Like, I can't even read it. And that's depressing because dude has artistic chops. I've, I've seen him draw books. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a good artist. I think mm -hmm. Paul, I at one point, pulled out an old yeah. trade to show you. He's like, no, he, he, he can draw. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what The thing happening. is, I now look at panels that he draws, and I'm like, I've seen this panel before. I can go back into my stacks and find this. You panel. can go back three pages in a book of his. Almost, yeah. It's. It I is mean, really, we, it takes you out it when you you, you made us read his X Men run that he was doing with Matt Fraction. Mm -hmm. I could I could hardly read the thing. I had to ask Chris like, 
I'm I'm not sure who this is. Yeah. I'm reading the book. You're not. I'm flipping through and showing them like. I don't understand this book. Is is this Wolverine or is this Sebastian Shaw I'm looking at? Who yeah. is this right now? And then, it like, we went through and looked. It's the same face. Here, page turn. Uh, here, page turn. Here, 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 page turn. Yeah. Here. Is this Blonde Woman Dazzler or is it Emma Frost? Don't know. Is Or is it Sue Storm? Exactly. Yeah. And hence why, on last year for April Fool's, we wrote the post yes. about the Phoenix Force coming in and infecting all of the DC women. So they all had the <laughs> same outfit. And it was up to Greyland to draw them differently. And that's <laughs> the humor. Because see, Paul it likes to explain his jokes it if you've never happen. listened. Because you guys never sent me an email saying how great of a joke that was. <laughs> oh. That was hilarious. It, it's not too late. Paul at BaggingBoardCast.com he will still love it. Wait, what is that? I'm going to send it to him right now. <laughs> Paul at BaggingBoardCast.com. It's basically the same as yours, which is John at BaggingBoardCast.com. I'm a big except, fan of yours. You're hysterical. You should I'm hit not more, even sending You should hit more people jerk. in the balls. <laughs> so, Alex Maleev, I, who we've not talked anything about talked. other than just saying, you're better than Greg Land, which is kind of an empty victory for it, it is a little bit of an empty victory. Um... He has just... He was on Daredevil with Brian Michael Bendis, and that's actually when I was picking up the book. And his style is so well-suited for that, because it's that street level, mm-hmm. just, like, it has a grit to it. It's a lot like Sean Phillips, who works with Ed Brubaker. Right. He's best suited for those kind of stories. I don't think I would want to read him write, like, a Superman book, or I'm trying to think of a bright Marvel, like a Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Like, I think his stuff is just too... Drowned in the gutters. Didn't so, Alex Maleev do the Spider Woman book? Yes. And he on that? Yeah. Uh, with, with Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. They're frequent co collaborators. <laughs> um, he's a great artist, and we've actually seen him at conventions before, too, doing yeah. um, sketch duels. I forget which, if it was Fan Expo or if it was like one of the Philly ones we went to, but it was him versus Thor. Artist, I'm blanking on his name, not Oliver Copiel. It was oh, that's the one I was thinking. Marco uh, Marco Drujevich. Yeah. Um, it was like the battle, of like it was Hungary versus Bulgaria or whatever. I don't remember because <laughs> yeah. they're both from uh, Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe, yes. <laughs> Europea. 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 Um, he, he's a fantastic artist, though. Um, Europa. Europa. I. He's better than Greg Land, which is all that's really necessary <laughs> to to advance. But in his own right, just I can see something by him and know it's his. Yeah. Compared to Sean Phillips, who has a very similar style, mm-hmm. but it's different enough as compared to the Jay Lee, Andrea, Sorrentino thing, where it's mm-hmm. like it's so similar. It's like I thought this was him. John, anything? <laughs> no, I. I can't go with I can't go with Greg Land at all. all right. And it's not even one of those things like, hey, you should feel accomplished that no, you were on this you, list. You're there because of your you, you create sales. You, you somehow people, I don't people like. I your think books. you're just put on books that sell anyways. Yeah. I mean, X Men. Like, okay, it, it, that book's gonna sell no matter who's right. Like drawing, I could draw it. And that would still be one of the top Marvel books. That was an easy win for Alex Malief. Yeah. Not so easy. He was coming up. 
Francis Manipal versus Greg Capullo. If that's this, okay with John, this if we a, can do this battle now. <laughs> this is a very tough one. Okay. This is... I'm, I'm we, sorry. we got to think about this. I do have to be. I, I, oh, man. This is, a, this is a tough one. This is... I feel like when we did the writers, it took us a while to get to that point where it's like, uh... Um, Francis Manipal, not my favorite artist, but Let he's... Let me just remind you the writers four and five. Yes. Paul Cornell versus Jeff Lemire, and Jonathan Hickman versus Rick Remender. Yes. I think those were pretty tough titles. And not not for me, Paul. What? This one is, though. Okay. Because um, Francis Manipal, I feel, really has... This should be the toughest one. ...come into his own, because now he's co-writing and drawing a book. Don't think about the writing. I, I know, but... It's this, just art. It's just the art, but he is the force behind the artwork now. This mm-hmm. He's writing for himself to draw. So I feel like he's able to kind of try something different because he's not having to tell someone else's story. He can do what he wants. Mm-hmm. So I feel like just seeing him on Flash is far beyond what he was doing on Flash before. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, still... I wish it didn't have that kind of watercolor look to it. I wish Flat it was kind of muted colors. It, mm-hmm. When I think flash, I need big, bold, high uh, energy. Exactly. I don't. Crisp I don't. Lines. I don't get that from Francis Manipal, but it's still a great looking book. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a minor little qualm that I have with it. Mm-hmm. Batman is brilliant looking. Like it's it's a great looking Batman book and. To follow up all the artists that have done Batman before, like Jim Lee, mm-hmm. I can't put those two on the same level yet. Who knows where we're going to come out? Chris, I'm just going to give you one look and to explain why Greg Capullo needs to win. Yeah. It's the Batman in the cowl that's beaten up, and the cowl, the one eye piece is missing, and you just got one Batman Bruce Wayne crazy eye going on, and the tattered. Uh, cape on the background, and the cape has its own, like the Batman outfit has its own personality. Yeah, and everything that you said, with, which was wrong with Francis Manipal, with the watered out uh, colors and everything not feeling quite right for the book, I agree with. He does do some amazing panels and panel work uh, for layouts. The one, yeah, oh, the layouts are great. With the lightning bolt and everything. His, li- I. I- not to cut you off, Paul, I'm sorry, but I like being able to look at a page and say, wow, this page looks good. And not just mm-hmm. because of the art, but just how things are laid out. And you get that from J.H. Williams the third yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't well, think, I think he's better at it. I think he is. I don't think Francis Manipal is at that level yet, but I think he's definitely on his way there. Yeah. I think in a year or two, it could be like, oh man, it's J.H. Williams versus Francis Manipal. This is tough. Like, yeah. Because he... Is really coming into his own, but continue. I, I just the setting and the mood, just Greg Capullo's uh, art fits that book so completely. And we've gotten panels where, like, we're like, oh, this is like Jim Miller Batman again, or this is boom, the animated series Batman again. And they're just, he's just drawing upon those like things to get the new readers into it. And just the the whole setting of the owl court of owl things has been so creepy and he's nailed that and uh, another big thing is he's changed his art look a lot yeah 
to fit that book. If you look at some of his stuff beforehand, he's done a lot of Spawn. Um, he's he's done a lot of other stuff where it's the ripped muscles and just mm-hmm. over exaggerated in kind of how um, what was it? Uh, Jay Lee has just that that darker color or another color kind of background. And in right. this book, he's really changed yeah. his look. John, I just want to make sure that you're not confused. We never Jay Lee is not on the I know, but okay. we, we talked. We, we talked there was about a break, Jay Lee. and there was a huge discussion about Jay, Jay Lee. Lee, as in to talk about Andrea or Andrea Sorrentino. But I think yes. Jay Lee. I think Jay Lee is a little better than um, Andrea Sorrentino, yeah. and that style fit a lot of what Greg Capello's art looked like before. And he's changed his tone, but he still captures some of those great sequences with the Batman, just with the cowl itself. Yeah. How he how he can capture it. Fits that book perfectly. I think he does a great job. That whole, just like those white pages, simple black lines, and then Batman in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it just is awesome. It, it doesn't work. The, the the people with the owl mask on their face, so creepy. Yeah. I want one of those owl masks for Halloween. And 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 real, it, it if you look at those pages to things he's done before, you wouldn't even know it's the same artist, really. Mm-hmm. And and some of those shots. And I, I, to me, I have to give it to him because he does. He he changed his style to fit a book, and he's able to bring in that history, which I was talking about with like bringing in panels that are like, this looks like a Jim Miller page. It looks Frank, Frank Miller. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Frank Miller page. It looks like you're on Batman. Jim Miller is <laughs> I was looking up here at the screen. Oh, wall. okay. You know, moving Greg Blue on because that's two votes to one. Yeah, two. well, I he didn't even decide. I, I, but. I, I knew who I was going for because I think Francis Manipole is a great artist and mm-hmm. he's really developing. But when I see a Francis Manipole book, it looks like Francis Manipole. I can't say that about Greg Capullo because he has changed his style a lot and just evolved in it. And just there's that panel in the one issue of Batman, I don't remember if it was like four or five, where he's down like picking at the ground, like, yeah. saying, like, you moved the camera. Like, that panel is, like, frozen in my mind yeah. because it's such a just great panel. And yeah. it's, like, it's just, like, such a small, like, little mm-hmm. moment, like, where it's just, like, no, this is Batman being, like, kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, looking for details when he's basically, like, on the ropes. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have a moment like that from Francis Manipal yet. I, I think he has. When the Flash is running on the blade of the helicopter as the helicopter is spinning, you know, it's still in the air. That was a pretty cool panel. The panel of the Flash bolt with the rogues gallery split up. To, yeah. Uh, that spelled out "wanted." Amazing. Those are the things that stick the in my mind. Shot. It's what like four different panels and then the center yes. thing coming down of like the flash dropping yeah, down falling through. and vibrating through to not get the impact yet. I mean that that alone like you say you don't have a moment that stands out that does because one of the things he did was like one, most of those not colored yeah. and yeah. then the one that just that strip. the actual action was like mm-hmm. colored. Colored. And yeah, I mean that's something like that somebody into the side of the building. That's something that stands out from this new series, that's the only thing that stands out from the new Flash series. His old, the old Flash, you know, and I hate to say old Flash series, but yeah. the previous Flash series, nothing volume, nothing really hit me. 
Yeah. And again, it's that it was that those muted colors, and it does seem like well, maybe he's doing something different with the colors now, with doing the, the, the mm-hmm. just that strip of color, you know. But that's him maybe coming into someone who writes and does the pencils for someone mm-hmm. now. A little bit more control. Yeah. And th- you know what? Those both are awesome moments, like the wanted, him like falling through the sewers, and. It just it hasn't stuck with me though because that Batman just like laying on the yeah. ground like and, and I remember when we did the, like the we all read those first issues and I remember like Paul mentioned just like this is such a great picture of it was just Batman on top of like a a building top and uh-huh. you kind of just see just his cowl and stuff and Paul's like that's Batman right there yep. he nailed it he yeah. got it. And he did, and like I, like I've been kind of trying uh-huh. to look at artists right before we we talk about him. And I was looking at all his other stuff, and then I saw the, you know, because I knew he was on the uh, Spawn, Batman and stuff. Oh. And I'm like, this doesn't look anything like what he's been doing in Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, maybe it was a little bit easier of a pick than I thought. Yeah. But just like going into because I think. Francis Manipal is very inventive. I, I see him going very far in the industry. I think if it was another matchup, he moved yeah. on. And so, and if he was against Greg Land, boom! <laughs> yeah. It's not just because Batman's kind of our pet book right now, because Bat, like, Batman is a great book, but mm-hmm. if that was something else that he was drawing almost in that style, mm-hmm. or to like fit the story, I, I think it would work well enough on its own. Well, let's see if this one's closer. At number four versus number five over at Marvel, we got Steve Epting versus Mark Bagley. Mm. Mark Bagley has a very distinct look. He really does. And he can turn out a monthly book like nobody else. He can turn out a Two. weekly book. <laughs> yes. Because he did, he, did he did all of the DC Trinity. Trinity books. Yes. And then he went right from that over to Marvel where he was doing the Spider-Man weekly book. Mm-hmm. And before that, he was over at Marvel doing Ultimate Spider-Man monthly on his own. But those books look, you know, they look like a Mark Bagley book. Yes. Um, Steve Epting is one of those, he's been on Captain America, he's been on now Fantastic Four. He's got a very unique style, but a very classic style. Yes. A very realistic style that I quite enjoy. Mark Bagley's art, for whatever reason, just has an off-putting quality to me. It, it, but he sells books. He Everyone has almost like a youth to them mm-hmm. with Mark Bagley. Yeah. I mean, looking at what he did in Ultimate Spider-Man to Trinity, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman almost have the same proportions yeah. that Peter Parker had as a high school kid. Um, he has a very distinct style, like you said, and when you were talking about Steve Epting, I know I've read his Captain America stuff. I know I really enjoyed it. But I'm actually Googling him on my phone right now because I need to actually see what his art looks like. Mm-hmm. Because it is a very distinct yet familiar style. It's something that it fits. It's like the Norman Rockwell of comic book art because uh, you know you've seen it you know you enjoy it but there's just something that's so broad about it I, I'm, I think I'm trying to say mm-hmm. is that you just accept it like yeah that's great 
Yeah, and, and it is, and I think it's the kind of the realistic look to almost a, I don't want to say cartoony, but definitely not as realistic, like just maybe real comic booky. And yeah, everyone has that youthful stuff. And yeah, doing Ultimate Spider-Man where everyone is a teenager, it does work. That teenage, lanky, thin frame kind of works. Where Steve Epting just has that... uh, He has another kind of stoic, realistic thing. Like his some of his Captain America stuff is just really kind of bold. And they're... um, Because again, like I, I like to look really to get a an image of both artists in my head and one of the images I saw was Bucky as Captain America mm-hmm. that stoic style but then the old school looking Bucky's you know sidekick uniforms surrounding him looking like the old style comic books and able to to draw both of those I, I think is is um, you know is is something that it's hard to do to change kind of styles like that. And uh, I think what I would look for in a comic book, if I'm reading a young Spider-Man book, I like Ed, you know, or uh, I say Ed Bagley, uh, Mark Bagley, I would want his book, but maybe just a, a regular comic book. I'm into the more realistic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I want... I want uh, Steve Epting. Yeah, uh, just Office of Fantastic Four work and FF work, uh, I have to go Steve Epting. And just because I've also mentioned that Mark Bagley, for whatever reason, like that Trinity book, I was reading, you know, I got all of the 52. I got, you guys gifted me all of Countdown. Thank you, I'm I'm (laughs) sorry. We we didn't know. We were hoping. Yeah, it it was a great gift. It was a thoughtful gift. It was a lovely gift, and I think you guys quite, you know, it was good. We bought Paul a year's worth of comic books. Exactly. <laughs> There's no greater gift than not a year's worth ones. of comics. <laughs> not all of them were good. If only we did it with Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> Trinity was just the book that I'm like, maybe it was a little bit to get countdown uh, fatigue. fatigue. Or, or it was just because Mark Bagley's art I just couldn't get into. I just it doesn't connect with me, so I have to move Steve Epting on. But I don't want to sound like it's just on the merits of how I view Mark Bagley. I really do enjoy Steve Epting's uh, very realistic style. Yeah, I I have to agree. Steve Epting has a great style, which I think would work on any book. Mark Bagley has a, a good style, which I think doesn't always fit everything, and I appreciate the fact that he can bust out a book yeah, and keep on a schedule and hit his deadlines and still deliver consistent art. Yeah, if I was an editor trying to figure out like who I wanted on a book, I want Steve Epting more so yeah. than Mark Bagley. But if there was a time crunch issue, I need I would need Mark Bagley. Exactly. Uh, Jane H. Williams the third. Oh fuck yeah! Who is the second seed of our DC? That makes sense. Versus the seventh seed, Ed Benis, or Benis, oh. of uh, Red Lantern's fame. There's really no question here. He, Ed Benis is more of that modern cheesecake style. Even his Justice League run, it, it was 
yeah. very titillating. I mean, that, and that's what he really focuses on as an artist. Which I was happy that he took a book like Red Lanterns because mm. it's yeah. so far away from that that I thought it was him stretching himself and trying something more. J.H. Williams, I feel he's an artist, period. Yeah. He... He does comic books, and the reason I think we're why lucky. Francis Manipool started doing those different page layouts is because G.H. Williams III was putting on a clinic for everybody. I, I think, as comic book fans, we're lucky that there's someone like J.H. Williams that's able to come out and perform because he does amazing, amazing work, and it just happens to be in a comic book. It's mm-hmm. not on canvas in a gallery. You're just looking at it in a 24 page monthly issue and this is a his artwork is something that it's an uns I think it's really an unsung hero with us like we've talked mm-hmm. about it we've been talking about it for years yeah. since he started with with Batwoman yeah. or what detective the comics, comics. Batwoman and, 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 detective and comics, yes. that first issue we talked about it it blew us away mm-hmm. you know you were picking it every you know every month when it came out and we would we would talk about it but it's one of those ones like for somehow we all appreciate it but it's flown under our radar for a little bit that we don't mention it enough mm-hmm. and when he was working with the um in the, like in detective comics with the one colorist who was just making those colors pop like they just worked so together bringing out those reds and everything mm-hmm. uh yeah you have to you have to give it to jh williams and I, I do love the fact that he was like, no, this isn't the right color red. Yeah, like, make it more red. That that's that's awesome. Like, because I don't think you'd ever get that from any other comic book artist. Like, even going back, you know, it's a far shot from this, but back during when Stan Lee was doing the Incredible Hulk, like, hey, we can't match the the gray. Just make him green. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's how how often do you have yeah. some of that fine? Like, no. Make sure this red is the same as it is on this page. Make sure it's the same as it is on this panel. Mm-hmm. That commitment and make it pop. And yeah. it does pop it off pop. the page. Yeah, uh, those uh, those detective comics because that's really aside from the first Batwoman. That's really what I've read. But those detective comics. I mean, we would just we'd read them and then we'd talk about them and we'd just go every single page and just go, oh my gosh, boy. Wow, yeah. you know everything was just and then when he he changes his style for the Kate. Um, why can I not think of her last name? Oh my God, you're right. Oh, I feel horrible for blanking out on this now. But you know when she's not in costume, it is she's a twice named woman. Kate. It's gonna hit me, yeah. Eventually, but it's a completely different style. You no longer have those crazy different layouts. It's just a simple nine-panel grid, six-panel grid on the page, and it is a completely, almost completely different style. And that's why he moves on. Yes, yes. He has to move yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. Paulo Rivera <laughs> versus Dale Eaglesham. This oh. is a number two versus number seven. Yellow Gilsham, I feel like, hasn't done enough work over at Marvel to really make him a higher seed, even though I love him with a deep deepness of my heart. Um, and Paulo Rivera needs to be a number two seed with his work on Daredevil. Uh, 
Gem Easter? Uh, maybe, unless you're looking up something. I just want to just double check. Is um, I really I love Paul Rivera on Daredevil. His cover work has been amazing. His cover, I think his covers are outstanding. His actual pages are are pretty standard. They're I, I, fun, and there's a lightness, and there's this like going. He actually brings like the whole point of this Daredevil run with Mark Wade is to bring Daredevil back to its roots. Mm-hmm. Paulo Rivera lets that happen on those comic book pages, and I think if it needed to be another book, I think Paulo Rivera could do it. Yes, I, I think he can, but at the same time, like. At the beginning of that book, it alternated between him and Marcos Martin. Mm-hmm. And Marcos Martin. Marcos Martin's great. Job. I think if I had to pick between the two of them, I would go with Marcos Martin. Oh man, he's not on a bracket at all. He's not. No. But he doesn't do regular work. Yes, exactly. Paulo Rivera has that great neoclassic style. That's it's a great basically way to put it. if you take that 1960s, 1970s Marvel and transport it today. Someone like Cliff Chang, mm-hmm. Paulo Rivera, Marcus Martin, I think are at the top of the game. But I would have to put Cliff Chang and Marcus Martin ahead of Paulo Rivera, except for when it comes to covers, because he puts so much effort in to that cover mm-hmm. work. It it's beautiful. He but that's this, this is but here's the thing, it's Dale Eaglesham that he's going against. And I love I, Dale Eaglesham on his DC stuff, and I haven't read enough of his Fantastic Four yeah, and everything else. Fantastic Four's got a very Kirby style to it. Mm-hmm. It does. And then he also did uh, work on Captain America, that uh, miniseries. What what was it? Steve Rogers, like Agent of Shield. Agent of Shield, yeah. Was it or was or, it Captain uh, America, Agent of Shield? I don't even remember. It was Steve Rogers. Well, I don't. I don't. But remember. it was him as an Agent of Shield, and that's where Daily Shield went off to. I didn't really enjoy that book not so much because of the art just because I didn't enjoy the book itself yeah. I, I think Dale Eaglesham is a great adaptive artist he can do what you need him to do um, but in that draw respect, a scene of a lot of different characters and make them all look different Yeah, especially with his Reed Richards mm-hmm. all the different yeah, he had all the, yeah. yeah. um I think he just has a, a really good classic style, mm-hmm. which doesn't stand out compared to someone like Paulo Rivera, though. Right. I, I think if you combine the two of them together, which one's going to be a lot more striking? Easily Paulo Rivera. Mm-hmm. And Paulo Rivera is someone I like. I follow him on Twitter. Like I follow his different his different blogs that he puts up too. He's constantly changing the way he's doing art. Like how he's doing art now is different from. A few months ago, when he was drawing, he's he's using different different mediums. He's you know he's creating a new like doing like a, a paint shop thing. He's importing images to change. Um, there's a uh, in the Spider Man there's a Spider Man crossover that he's working on. He did a re almost a, like a retelling of an image of Spider Man coming in with two guys hanging from um, a light post done up in webs at another guy in a gun and he you know he was able to do it but it's totally his own spin it it's not the same kind of picture i do love paulo rivera i I really do his art just really hits me and it's something that i I really 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 like Mm -hmm. steve epting 
does too. When you showed me, we're not talking about Steve Epting right now, though. I mean, Dale uh, Eagle. Dale Eagle. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, like when you showed me his work with um, Jonathan Hickman on Fantastic Four, it it, it fits. Mm-hmm. The, the everything, the the look, the Kirby style, like it just that that he was doing for that it, it just really works and he works with an artist like that or a, a writer with like that and it is hard but I like I I do have to go with Paulo Rivera just because I do love him his his cover art everything about him it just hits me it just hits me what on, on that style that I mm-hmm. that I really do love the way that Paulo Rivera was able to show us warp and also how Daredevil sees was yeah. You know, it finally got what Daredevil, who Daredevil was, the perception of the Daredevil right on the comic books. And they tried so hard in the Daredevil movie to get that right. And it looks so easy on page. And Paula Rivera's, you know, that that alone artistically deserves to be recognized. And Dale Eaglesham, I loved on the Fantastic Four. I loved his work on Secret Six. I but this year, I just feel like Paul Rivera had a better year yeah. than the Atlanta Bill so that's why I'm giving it to Paul Rivera. Definitely stand out. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That moves us on over back over to DC. We got Frank Quietly versus Cliff Chang. And I've been a huge fan of his Wonder Woman work. He's changed it up a little bit. Made it a little bit more sketchy. I have to go with Cliff Chang over Frank Wildly. If this was the bagged and board bracket March Madness comic book creator craze of 2011, no question in my mind would it be Frank Wildly. But this year has turned out very little work for Frank Wildly. I know he was putting on what I like to call a clinic for other artists back with Batman and Robin, but that's so long ago. And Cliff Chang has stepped it up with Wonder Woman, and he does this great comic book work, just making everybody look different and everything look detailed and fresh. Uh, I have to go with Cliff Chang as well. I just love, like, that the dark, thick lines, like, around the characters, just the, the panel work, all that stuff... Like I do, I I really like that artwork. Not seeing anything as uh, Frank quietly, but or quietly, blah. blah. But uh, his work, I think the most I liked was to All Star Superman. It mm-hmm. fit perfectly. Since then, I, I don't know. I just see that same kind of that same kind of style and art and. It doesn't. It 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 did something for me back then, but it's not. Doesn't have the same gravitas as it did before. You give me Frank Quietly on something like We Three, and I love it. When he was doing the like sound effects in his panels in All Star Superman, that was awesome. He was doing that in Batman and Robin, I think. I don't know. It was Batman and Robin. Yeah, I'm sorry. He didn't do the sound effects in. Um, But I did like his work in All Star also. It's, I I can't really say I'm a fan of his artwork though because everyone he draws is almost like a balloon full of ground beef, like everyone's very like I don't want to say squat but like there's a roundness to him mm-hmm. and there's like so many I get wrinkles that, and lumps. 
I get that a lot in the JLA versus, or what is it, Earth 2. Yeah. I don't think I got that quite as bit as much as in his Batman and Robin work. Yeah. But I do understand what you're saying. And I I talked about Cliff Chang a little bit before, but he just has a fun, expressive style mm-hmm. that it just really pops off the page. And it's it just works on whatever book I've seen him on. Um, especially when he was doing the Doctor 13 stuff with Brian Azzarello. That was the backup for the Spectre series that came out mm-hmm. after the DC like Brave New World thing that they did a couple years ago. Um, it was just a fun, crazy book, and I'm glad Cliff Chang was on that because it just fits so well. I mean, you throw Cliff Chang out there and you mention a character... You can see him drawing it in a way that is just going to be so classic, yet bold at the same time, that Cliff Chang has has to get it. More than soggy Superman sitting on a cloud. <laughs> he's, he's a soggy-looking dude. I'm sorry. All right. Number three, Billy Tan, versus number six, Adam Kubert, who I think is the stronger of the Kuberts. I, I, I think he is. Um, Not as strong as Jim. No, no, Adam and Andy, right? Yeah, Adam and Andy. The, th- the thing about like the co- the Kuberts is like they feel like they I feel like they just have technique mm-hmm. and they don't have storytelling. S- yeah, storytelling, but like soul. Like they don't have an all encompassing just passion for drawing. They just know how to draw really, really well. Mm-hmm. I I can see it because they're great artists, both of them. I. Feel like we're lumping them together yeah, now because it's hard not to. Yeah, because um, their styles are so similar. Because I mean, they were raised to draw by their dad, so they're, I don't want to say they're aping his style, but it's just so heavily influenced. Because of course, who's going to teach them to draw? Um, yeah, going up against Billy Tan, it's it's tough because he is a little bit different. I don't think. Either of their styles are really like stand out, jump off the page, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have to go with Billy Tan just because I feel like his stuff isn't as flat mm-hmm. as. Uh, I think they both have a very comic book style, and I'm just looking through some of the Billy Tan stuff now. But I, you know, I'd rather have a, pick up a book by Billy Tan right now than I do Adam Kubert. Um, They're both very comic book-esque. They're very comic book. Billy Tan has a little bit of that late 90s kind of look. Mm -hmm. I think he just needs to kind of grow into his own thing and get a little more his own little style to it. But, like, like a few years ago, everyone was like, Kubert's, Kubert's. And I was like, yeah. And then I picked up a book and I was like, it just isn't... It just isn't doing it for me. It just doesn't have finesse, mm-hmm. you know. And and now when I see their names, it's not like a big draw to me. I I more look at who's writing or what it's going to be about. Yeah, it's going to be a well done book, but it just doesn't have. They just don't. I I just don't feel like they have soul behind their their art. True. Let's move on to round two. We have Jim Lee versus Greg Capullo over at DC. Oh, I think this is the hardest that it's this, come down to. This is, this is a tough one, but I 
I don't think it's that tough. I enjoy Craig Capullo's art a lot more than what I'm reading from Jim Lee. Greg Capullo. I will agree, Greg Capullo. Um, I think Jim Lee is a fantastic artist. Everything he does is it's what you want from a superhero comic. And yeah, he redefined comics in the 90s and his artworks progressed a little bit, but you can still see it's Jim Lee mm -hmm. while compared to what Greg Capullo's reinvented himself to be um, Batman. I, I would have to give it to Greg Capullo as well. Uh, I think that's going to be it's going to be three. I I think wow. what Jim Lee is has done over the years and is doing now. I mean he's he still does amazing amazing work, but those Batman's and really seeing what he what Greg Capullo has done before and mm -hmm. how he's changed it to fit this tone of Batman. I think I think he's just just doing a, a an amazing job. Alex Maleev versus who was it? Steve Eptink. See, this is this is a little bit tougher just because they can be pretty close. Yeah, I think they have a very similar style, and you guys are now looking. I know over well, here. you're pulling up the artwork so on up, on the Google. The this is Alex Maleev. He does a painterly style, especially on the Spider Woman. Um, he's done a lot of just kind of, well, we're just pulling up a lot of sketch work, and he's doing uh, Scarlet right now with... Yeah, which I haven't read any, but, but it's mm -hmm. a new Bendis But book. it's that kind of like watercolory kind of style that's going on, uh, versus Steve Epting, which is more of that realistic just kind of comic book work. And if I was going to pick up a book, I think I'd pull up a Steve Epting more than an Alex Maleev. Uh, I think the same thing, only because Alex Maleev is doing a lot of work with Bendis. I, I just placed myself in the position of writer, and if I had to pick between the two of them, I would probably go with Steve Epting because he has a little bit more definitive of a look when it comes to the superhero books. I think, I mean, they're both fantastic I was fantastic doing indie work, I probably want more... Uh, Epting. Yeah, if I was doing like a gritty crime or, uh, book. I mean, Maleev. Yeah, if I was doing like a crime book, Maleev all the way. But just for what I kind of gravitate more towards, I would have to give it to Epting. So Epting moves on. Back over at DC, J.H. Williams III versus Cliff yep. Chang. It's, it's hard to topple. Jeff, uh, J.H. Williams. I mean, I love Cliff Chang. He's yeah. awesome, but man, J.H. Williams, he he knows his way around the comic everything. Page itself. Yeah. A, a, a true artist. He really is. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to vote for Cliff Chang just because I think he's done some really strong work, which we don't talk about enough. Yeah. J.H. Williams III does awesome layouts. And changes up his style, but it's for the panels. But it is the same thing each and every time. Cliff Chang has actually made his work more sketchy, a little bit more free form in Wonder Woman. We've seen him actually change his art style this year, and I think that's something to be commended. Versus G.H. Williams III, it is more of the Batwoman we were getting in Detective Comics. That's yeah. now in the title, Batwoman. Um, but. J.H. Williams III moves J. on. J. It's amazing. It's Especially like his cover stuff, I'm automatically thinking of that one mm -hmm. where it's 
Batwoman like looking down into the water and you yeah. just see like the shadows and the reflections and it's like all like rippling back. That's amazing. <laughs> and he did that on top of doing interiors on the book too. Like yeah. that's the kind of cover artwork that you have a cover artist just to do that. Like they they're paid just to spend a month drawing that cover. <laughs> Not just the interiors too. Well, like he- He's had a lot of time he's, with Batwoman. He's had some time. I'm sorry. I know. I but know. he's had a lot of time to do this. Well, he's also he's, he's still writing on that too. Yeah. Uh, Paulo Rivera versus Billy Tan. I, I, you gotta give it to Paulo Rivera. Yeah, Paulo Rivera. I think basically everything we said about Billy Tan going up against uh, I'm blanking out Adam, Adam Kubert. Billy Tan, very classic comic book art, but. Paula Rivera is giving us something a little bit more with Daredevil. Yeah, easily Paula Rivera over that one. Okay, now we're on to round three. Three rounds. Greg Capullo versus J. Williams III. Oh, man. Or do we want to start over with Steve Epting no, no, and Paula Rivera? No, you already called it, Paul. Okay. Um, God damn it, J. H. Williams. As, as much as I enjoy yeah. Greg Capullo, like... If I'm going to sit down and look at a J.H. Williams book, I know I'm in for just a visual feast. Like, every page is going to be something different. And the pages are going to tell the story, not just the writing. Yep. But, I mean, I, I hate to, like... No, no, go ahead. No, you love to. Do it. Look too forward. That's why we're here. But would you pair um, Scott Snyder with... J.H. Williams. I'd love to see what they would do. Yeah. Really? Because yep. I, I think you need someone a little more like Greg Capullo. For, like, J.H. Williams got, like, he can have such, like, it's just, like, so clean cut. It, 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 I think J.H. Williams III is doing so much more with the medium of comic books than what Greg Capullo is doing. Yeah. You can't help but move J. Williams the third off. I, I would, I, I would, I would vote for him. I'm just looking for that last thing. Like, what could, what could I? Think no, you can of vote for him. Two? We voted for J. Williams yeah. the third. He moved on. So, no, I, mean, I know, no, I know. But I, I like, I'm not looking at like who J. H. Williams is up against right now. But thinking what, about no, that's what, what you're supposed to. It's a but, bracket. I know, but I'm thinking about what, well, stop. What book that the Who's two next? of them could work together? We're looking now at. Steve Epting versus Paulo Rivera. Uh, it's I, I would have to realistic go versus comic book and more. I would have to go Paulo Rivera. I, I I would I would too. I would pick a Paulo Rivera book over. And it, it it's so just based off of like okay if I see those pages next to each other. Steve Epping does great work, but that Paulo Rivera stuff is really just, it, it pops. It just pops. It does a lot of things, but, you know, who has worked on the best book of the year, Fantastic <laughs> Four, and who has not? <laughs> that would be Steve Epting, and Steve Epting has done an amazing job on that book, and that's why I'm voting for him now, even though Paulo Rivera moved on. <laughs> no, and it's okay, I wanted somebody, I wanted someone, because somebody in the Fantastic Four to be in the final four. <laughs> is that so wrong? Is that so wrong for me? Because we made this bracket. Because you want somebody that worked on the Fantastic Four to be on the final four of my bracket. Jonathan Hickman Come made on. it really far. Yeah, the Elite Eight, <laughs> not the Fantastic Four final four. What the hell? Okay, that's yeah. fine. Scott Snyder, well, moved on. 
he is writing over at DC. J.H. Willis there is uh, the art guy at DC. What book would you guys want to see them on? Uh, are we are we doing this as an episode later? We're, yeah, we're doing that as oh, a segment. I thought we, we were, are. That's, that's our that's right. the third the third. That was the third part of this. This third is part the, of this baby. Well, don't then, you remember the writers and listeners. Listen to <laughs> this bracket <laughs> and write us in about this. Write us in, in a three segment. <laughs> write in to tell us who you want to see, what books you would want to see them work on. And then over at Marvel, we have Jason Aaron and Paula Rivera on Marvel. And right now, the final battle, J.H. Williams III versus Paula Rivera. Oh, that sounds said at all. I don't, yeah. know, if, I don't know if the I don't know if you could pick up the groaning on the microphone, but it was just... It was me. a heavy sigh. It wasn't a groan. Yeah, it was me just breathing through my nose heavily because it's tough because, I mean... I think J.H. Williams III is doing a great job giving us this split identity book over at Batwoman. Do I think he can have that same effect on another book or on any book other than Batwoman? I I don't know. Okay, switch it. Put J.H. Williams over on Daredevil and just think how he would show what Daredevil's seeing. Imagine... Just the possibility of what he would pull off from Daredevil's eyes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I I would love to see that. I I would love to see that as well. And I would like to see what. And I mean, you put Paulo Rivera on Batwoman. I I think it would just look like a pulp kind of Batwoman comic. I mean, as much as I love what he's doing on Daredevil mm-hmm. right now, it's consistently one of my favorite books when it comes out. I, I think it would basically look the same as I, what he does on Daredevil. I think J.H. Williams III is an amazing artist. He does an exceptional, more than an exceptional job mm-hmm. on Batwoman. And I think we are almost made to suffer to see what... We need to see what else he could do. Like, yeah, just, and I've just, been waiting on it just, for... How many years? Five years now? Because yeah. Detective Comics came out with this introduction of Batwoman how many years ago? And we haven't had anything else by J.H. Williams III other than this one character. That makes me a little afraid. I don't I would love... Well, have you, have you seen his Promethea artwork, though? No. Pause it. Okay. Fine, I'll pause it. I just pointed out some of the page layouts that I would expect him to do in Batwoman, and there is some great comic book, just comic book work that J.H. Williams that there does. I don't know and why still, you get, Chris is trying to convince me because he already has. I, I know spoke. it's just <laughs> I, I I don't feel like I need to convince you, but it's just I he's so good it it begs to be talked about, and I don't <laughs> know he's brilliant. It 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 is absolutely just. I Chris said it. He just thinks differently, and he can just capture these great, these great things. Like in an artistic way, he just thinks differently. All right. Just that, in, like that picture with the infinity mm-hmm. broken up in those five panels. And, like, and like how it was weaving in between the borders for the panels. Like that. That is. Yes. I mean, that's what he does on Batwoman. It's exactly what he does. It is who I mean, he is. You, you it's amazing. It is great. It is wonderful. It is awesome. I do not disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just afraid. Uh, like I, I just want 
something else from him now. And he does give us that in those panels and of Kate. Kane. Kane. Katie Kane. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. It took me a second. But here's the thing. You want to see what else he's capable of? You see it on every page because he varies it up so much. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like you can't say, like, well, what he does on one book, obviously you're going to see something similar on mm-hmm. another book. Yeah. But between those books, he's doing something different on every page, every arc. It's you, you know what you're in for, but you don't know what to expect. Right. So that leaves us with the two winners, Scott Snyder and J.H. Williams III. So email us, contact at bagnumwordcast.com with the book from D.C. that you want to see Scott Snyder and J.H. Williams work on together. Also, from Marvel, uh, Jason Aaron and Paulo Rivero to work on together. And also, out of any continuity you want to see Scott Snyder and J.H. Williams III to work on. That's going to be our topic, not next week. Next, next week we're back. bringing you... A look back. For? For the month of March. There it is. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't okay. to say March in there before. It's not, it's not a big deal. It's just being picky for no reason. Fuck, can I say I want to see Scott Snyder and James Williams do Daredevil? <laughs> uh, when you said that, I was like... That you, is such a great thing. You could. I'm not going to. Two weeks from now, yeah. that's what we're doing. Now, are we going to do... The book two we'd like to see from our second runner-up. Those two paired together too. What what second runner-up? Well, it'd be Paolo Vera and Aaron. I, yeah, that's what oh, I'm yeah. saying. You would well, take yeah, the, just a strictly Marvel book for those two because they're not and second runners. Up. They're both at the top of their and then yeah, strictly DC well, from Scott Snyder and J.H. Williams. But there's there's cl- two clear cut. Our first places are Scott Snyder and J.H. Yeah. Williams. The bracket would work out better if we picked one Marvel writer and a DC artist, or vice versa. But since, you know, that... It was how the seeds were mm-hmm. lined up. Yeah. It was basically yeah. DC versus Marvel. If, and if we had done, like, DC artists and Marvel artists against each other, we could have come up with Jason Aaron and J.H. Williams. Who knows? Now, are we just... Are we, are we sticking to... Oh, we can talk about this later. Yeah, but... Hey, if you want to mix and match and say, no, guys, let's have Jason Aaron and J.H. Williams III on a book, go ahead, do it. Email us, contact at com. Put those picks on, or your books, on the uh, Facebook page where we have the bracket listed. It's on or the Facebook. fill out your bracket and then put it on that Facebook page, too, because we have an empty bracket there for you to fill out at home. Mm. Share and share like. So until next week, guys, uh, anything else? Stay March Madness, comic creator, craze from Bag and Board. The BBMC, BBTCCYBEDW. We're going to get some TCBY now. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> Bye.